Rebag is a luxury resale marketplace. They have a curated collection of investment-worthy bags, watches, and fine jewelry. Each piece is carefully vetted and verified by experts. You can buy and sell finds from the world's top brands, including Hermes, Chanel, and Cartier. Head to Rebag.com to get 10% off your first purchase with code REBAG10. That's Rebag.com to get 10% off your first purchase with code REBAG10. Betches Media presents Ha Ha, Laugh, Funny, Mention It All, a Bravo by Betches podcast. We don't say that, but now we said it. With Dylan Hafer. Who gonna check me, boo? And Barry Rosenfeld. I need to start drinking alcohol. Now go to sleep, we. Hey everyone, welcome back to the Mention It All podcast. I am Dylan Hafer, and today I am joined by a good friend of mine and a fellow Bravo-holic. You know him from the Instagram account Faces by Bravo, and also his podcast, But Now We Said It. Please welcome Steve from Faces by Bravo. Hi, Steve. Hey, Dylan. I'm ready to mention it all. I, I sure hope so. I know You always are, I feel like. <laughs> That's not that's not something you struggle with. That is not new for me. <laughs> <laughs> we have a lot to talk about today. We are mainly going to talk about Summer House in New Jersey, but there is lots happening in the greater Bravo community. First of all, there's a new Erica Jane lawsuit that just dropped yesterday. It feels like we haven't talked about Erica in a while. And, um, you know, I, as I say on pretty much every episode of this podcast, I'm not a legal expert, but it certainly doesn't seem like Erica is being any less implicated in this than she has been in the past. This is tough. This is like, this is where they're actually now calling her the con woman, essentially, like the master behind all of this. I am, I was shocked to see that. Yeah, and we've seen the 50 million plus number thrown around before. It's not like the amount of money doesn't seem to be new, but it's it does feel like this one is a little bit more focused on Erica than some of the proceedings have been in the past. And it doesn't just seem like, oh, she might have to give some of the money back because it was stolen. It's like, oh, she might have been kind of involved. And I think for me, I've I've always felt like, I don't really know what I think Erica knew. I don't think she was in charge of anything. It's not like a Jen Shaw situation where I think she was, you know, pulling the puppet strings. But it certainly seems, at least based on what they're alleging in this lawsuit, that they really think she was at least somewhat aware of what was going on. So based on what what I was reading and stuff... This is so crazy for me to even think this, but I'm just going to throw it out there. Um, do you do you think this could be like a way for them to like because because of Tom, he it almost feels like Tom's getting off scot free. Does right. this f- seem to you almost a little bit like a way for them to be able to get more assets out of them or a more reliable way? I I mean. First of all, allegedly, 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 allegedly. allegedly. <laughs> I mean, it is, yeah, the, the the stuff about Tom's potential mental, you know, condition and his memory loss issues, that really has kind of changed the whole way that I think this is being looked at, both from a perspective of a viewer and potentially the perspective of lawyers and stuff trying to get money back, because it really doesn't seem like 
I don't know if he has funds that can be taken or, you know, like they, I think the house, there was just a report that it was going to go into foreclosure. So, you know, maybe that'll finally get sold, but that's not even going to be close to enough money to cover what people are missing. So it does maybe feel like if they can somehow pin Erica more for some of this stuff that maybe out of everybody, maybe she has the most kind of stuff to give up. Because I don't think Tom Tom doesn't have a shoe palace, you know. <laughs> now that's true. <laughs> I I yeah, that's the only thing that I can think of just because I I don't know, it just seems very bizarre out of nowhere she is now like the front woman who's in who's now orchestrating all of this. It just I don't know. I I've also been like with you, I've obviously don't know at all what Erica may have known, but Throughout the season, my biggest critique of her was how she's handled, which, Mm -hmm. you know, I don't even know how I would handle if I found out, you know, my husband was, you know, taking victim money. But I felt like she handled it really poorly with, obviously, with being asked valid questions from her castmates. Um, Whereas I've never actually felt, though, that she knew. I mean, in my opinion, I don't know. Yeah, I, I think I was pretty much on the same page with that. So it's a little bit now it's kind of like, okay, what what do I think? What, yes. Uh, and <laughs> and I, I just have a feeling that season 12 coming up in a month or so isn't necessarily going to get us any closer to answers on that. Because from what I from what I gather and what I would guess, it, I doubt they really actually spent that much time talking about it on this season because there kind of wasn't anything going on. That's my impression. Yeah, I was, I kind of felt like (laughs) I was literally coming into this season thinking, wow, Erica really like kind of dodged this (laughs) as like a storyline that would continue on and on. Um, But I guess not anymore. (laughs) We'll see. I'm very excited regardless. I think. Oh, yeah. I, I mean, I feel like Beverly Hills is one of those shows where even if the season itself is not that explosive or whatever. I'm never upset to have a new episode of Beverly Hills to watch. Like it always just kind of, you know, it just like fills a little bit of a void, even if it's potentially a little boring. I have to say I'm, I'm, you know, obviously I don't know any, anything that has truly happened on the season, but I have heard from people that worked on the show that, and who are harsh critiques said it's going to be <laughs> a great season. I know there are always those sources that like some people like when Andy says it's like, oh, the premiere is wild. It's like, (laughs) shut the fuck up. Like I like I will never, ever. I don't trust Andy as far as I could throw him when it comes to teasing a season. But there are you'll hear from those people where it's like, oh, no, that person is like in the edit bay. And if they say that it's a wild episode, like I'm I believe that I believe it to be true. Exactly. that, And that's like in this case. So now it, it made me even more excited for this season. Calling all my honeys. Support for today's episode comes from Honey Love. Whether you're a bride, a wedding guest, or simply seeking everyday smoothing, Honey Love is the go-to for all things shapewear. Honey Love has revolutionized compression technology, so you no longer have to feel like you're suffocating while wearing effective shapewear. For a limited time, you can get Honey Love on sale Get 20% off your entire order with our exclusive link, honeylove.com slash MIA. Support our show and check them out at honeylove.com forward slash MIA. 
When talking about shapewear, Honeylove's best-selling superpower short is the go-to. It has targeted compression technology that distinguishes between areas you want more support and areas where you need less compression. Their Signature X targets and sculpts your midsection without squeezing your natural curves. It's designed to work with your body, not against it. The Superpower Short is helping ladies everywhere sculpt and smooth from stomach to thigh by offering just the perfect amount of compression. You won't have to worry about it rolling down, which is unheard of in shapewear, thanks to flexible boning that's hidden in the side seams. This piece is also a booty lifter. Boost bands on the back and thigh give your bottom an amazing shape. Treat yourself to the best bras and shapewear on the market and save 20% off at honeylove.com MIA. Use our exclusive link to get 20% off honeylove.com MIA. After you purchase, they'll ask you where you heard about them. Please support our show and tell them we sent you. Move with confidence thanks to Honeylove. Hey, I'm Andy Mitchell, a New York Times bestselling author. And I'm Sabrina Kohlberg, a morning television producer. We're moms of toddlers and best friends of 20 years. And we both love to talk about being parents, yes, but also pop culture. So we're combining our two interests by talking to celebrities, writers, and fellow scholars of TV and movies. Cinema, really. About what we all can learn from the fictional moms we love to watch. From ABC Audio and Good Morning America, Pop Culture Moms is out now wherever you listen to podcasts. So I want to talk about Real Housewives of New Jersey. I feel like this week was maybe a little bit of a filler episode, um, which they're, you know, they're entitled to every now and then. Uh, But I'm curious to get your thoughts on kind of where your mind has been throughout this season. And especially, I feel like more and more every week, I'm starting to see more people kind of, um, more cracks in the facade of Teresa's New Jersey supremacy. And I'm curious how you are feeling about that. So, yeah, and this is funny because it's coming off of uh, Ultimate Girls Trip, where I felt like we, a lot of people who maybe didn't love Teresa on the show, fell in love with her in a new way, right, On, on Girls Trip, which was me. I thought she was great on Girls Trip, and then we get to this, and this season's tough for her. I mean, she's not doing herself any favors per usual, um... (laughs) <laughs> I feel like, again, she's she's villainizing the wrong people in this in this season, and I I struggle per usual. It's it's because I feel like we all want she's been through so much. We all want the best for Teresa at this point. Like, and seeing all these red flags coming at in her love bubble, as she would say. Uh-huh. <laughs> I'm I'm worried for her. Like in reality, you know, I it makes me very nervous about, you know, the future of her relationship and all of that. I hope to God, yeah. you know. There are a lot of people on Bravo shows where I feel like I want the best for them, but I also it's not I'm not in charge of their happiness and if they don't want the best for themselves, then I'm not going to feel that bad. And I feel like Teresa is in that kind of that dangerous territory where it's like, I think you have the blinders on and the love bubble is, uh, you know, made of Teflon at this point that it's like, there's a difference between, you know, wanting to preserve your peace and happiness and whatever, and being like naive about the situation that you might be entering into. And I feel like Teresa is 
teetering on the edge of that. And I think, you know, I, I definitely don't think somebody like Margaret is Teresa's best ally in the world, but I also don't think she is as much of an enemy as Teresa wants her to be. And I think, you know, some in a way, Margaret, I think, has kind of been looking out for her a little bit. And, uh, you know, Teresa is never going to acknowledge that. And I think after the... Um, the ropes course and the softball game last week, it really just felt like Teresa kind of is 100% just not willing to give up an inch in terms of, you know, Melissa did this, Melissa did that, and talking about the uh, Bill's stuff. And it's like, even Jennifer is not mad at Margaret anymore. So Teresa just feels like she has this vendetta this season. And I just don't think that actually is going to serve her well, either on the show or like in what's happening in her real life. Agreed. I... It is mind-boggling to me, even though I know it's Teresa, it's mind-boggling to me every time she brings up what Margaret did this season and neglects to reflect on everything she has done in the past. It is like, with Je- like she literally was saying, it was a secret, you know, he- she's going to ruin a family. And it's like, well... Uh, you made up a rumor that could affect a family all last season, you know? It's mind-boggling to me how she literally can't see <laughs> when she is a hypocrite. <laughs> yeah, and and then on the the sort of flip side of that is that a lot of a lot of the biggest Teresa defenders are also um big Melissa Gorga haters. And I I understand. I think there have been valid critiques of Melissa over the years about some of her some of her storylines and stuff. But this season, I actually am kind of enjoying her energy and the the conversation that she was having. The whole thing about Antonia, I actually think, is a super interesting uh, storyline that we haven't necessarily seen a lot on Housewives about how you know, her teenage daughter is maybe going through it a little bit. And there are these factors with her injury and switching schools. And, you know, when they had that conversation last night about how Melissa went through something similar when she was a teenager and she felt like she was a little bit depressed. To me, that is like kind of a very, it's like a very authentic thing that I feel like they're going through as a family and these kind of life growing pains. And I, I don't quite get the, like the, urge to be like she has no storyline because like that, that it's interesting to me she can do she literally can't win i feel like melissa gorga is in one of those mm. positions where i think the viewership depend i mean i've always loved melissa and yes i agree there's been some questionable storyline moments <laughs> the long lost sister anyone yeah um, yeah yeah <laughs> but i also and i've said this numerous times on my own podcast but and I, it still stands true to me she's one of the there's four people that i say i would want as a full-time housewife on their franchise no matter what storyline or not one of them okay. is melissa gorga i think she's just solidified her her place and i i feel like it would feel weird without her and i don't like i don't like the idea of it, her not being part of it mm-hmm. tamra judge Sheree Whitfield and Sonia Morgan. Those are my four that I feel okay. like no storyline. I'm fine. <laughs> I I am so, so excited to have Sheree back on Atlanta this season. I think that is like uh, absolutely the right move for them to make at this point. And I just feel like her presence is 
It soothes my soul. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I'm so ready for it. Can I just tell you, um, so she did like a tagline contest on her Instagram feed. And Uh it was like, you know, you have to do this in order to compete. And then there's a prize. Well, I ended up winning. But (laughs) it was like, (laughs) it was like on a Tuesday or Wednesday that I got an email and it was like, if you're in the Atlanta area, come on Saturday, blah, blah, blah. Oh, my and God. I was like, in my head, well, first of all, I already had a trip planned. But in my head, I was like, if if this is me showing up to, like, a strip mall, like, with Sheree, <laughs> like, signing her book or something, you know, I, I, I'm going to have to pass with four days notice. Come to find what I missed was the finale. The She oh by Sheree God. fashion show. The I am so mad at myself. Show. The fashion show with fashions this time. With fashions for the first time ever. Wow. Wow. You will never you'll never forgive yourself for that. I truly won't. But yeah, and I think Melissa is genuinely good friends with Jackie and Margaret, which mm-hmm. I I think they are a good little unit. And I think almost at this point in the season because of the way Teresa has kind of treated everyone else. She is almost the one with the fewest real friends in the cast, because I think even Jennifer feels like Teresa is starting to sort of see that Teresa maybe isn't there for her the way that she's there for Teresa. And I think Dolores is very loyal to Teresa because they've known each other forever, but I don't actually know that I think they're really close in a genuine way outside of we've known each other forever and I got you, I I have your back. Well, and another thing I, you know, I don't know how reliable all of it is, but there is there. Apparently Dolores wasn't invited to the engagement party or some, or some sort of engagement party with tree Mm. um, recently. And I've, when hearing that or reading that, I'm like, this is what's con- this is what concerns me a little bit with the whole Louis of it all, all the alleged whatever. Right. Um, it's almost like she's being sort of pulled away from anyone close to her, kind of right. Like I could be overthinking it, but you know that it's just right. a red like, flag. Out of all the people, if you were inviting more than like three people to this event, you would think Dolores would just automatically be on the list. And so it's mm-hmm. like, what's what's going on? What's going on there? <laughs> I know. What's going on? <laughs> yeah, like it just it something feels a little bit off. And I I'm curious to see kind of where we land post reunion because um I have a feeling it's not gonna be the best reunion for Teresa, but you never know. I mean, I also feel like people, I don't I don't want anyone to think that I'm just like a Teresa hater because I do think she's great TV and I think she's given us so much and there I have been really emotionally invested in a lot of her family stuff, but it's like this season has just been a rough look for her and I think kind of unless you're unless you're like so head is so far up Teresa's ass, it's like it's it's not been great. Right. No, and I that's the other thing that I always like feel like I never communicate well enough is just because if I'm critiquing someone on these shows does not mean I want them off the shows or dislike mm-hmm. them. I think that's like always a like for all of us that, you know, make content and stuff surrounded Bravo. I feel like it's easy for people to think like, oh, 
you must hate this person. I, you know, I don't agree with you. This, this is terrible. It's like, no, I'm just, see, you know, critiquing what I'm seeing. And I may still think they're amazing for the show where I think Teresa falls in that category. She does yeah. a lot of things that like drive me insane, but do I want her off the show? Not at all. I sort of feel that is happening a little bit with Summer House this season too on social media. I'm seeing a lot of like, Sierra is a sad, pathetic bitch and she should not be on TV. And I'm like, okay, do I think Sierra is like, has no flaws? Certainly not. <laughs> but Sierra has given us quite a bit. I am entertained. I will, I, I have no issue with Sierra being on this show because I am a fan of good TV. And I also love looking at her. Oh, (laughs) on top of what she delivers. Like, she is just beautiful to look at. On top of, she does actually deliver on the show. (laughs) Yeah, and I think, I don't, I mean, people are just so, people can be so quick to kind of take one side and then whoever side they're not on, it's like they think they're the the scum of the earth. And the thing with, with Lindsay and Sierra that was happening in response to Austin is like, I'm like, everyone here is kind of like wrong or at the very least doesn't need to be going hard the way they are. It just, it was the kind of thing where I, I liked seeing the internet kind of band together and be like, Austin isn't worth it because (laughs) it was one of those times where I'm like, I actually don't think either of the women in this situation are truly the root of the problem. No. Not at all. And again, why are we competing over Austin Kroll again? I just, I don't get it. <laughs> Did you see, um, I talked, we talked about this on my Monday episode, but Austin and Craig did their show in New York over the weekend and Gibson Johns posted that Austin threw his shirt into the crowd and women were like fighting over it. Stop. You're kidding. <laughs> like truly so upsetting. Y'all. You need help. Come on now. Austin. <laughs> We're literally watching him be a fuckboy on, te- on television. Right. And I mean, the Sierra, the situation that happened with Sierra and Danielle in the wine glass was also just one of those things where it was just unfortunate all around. I don't think anybody really, I think Sierra and Danielle, I think kind of the second after it happened were like, that was that was dumb. That didn't need to happen. But like Sierra, Sierra just like chilling in bed while other people are cleaning up the wine glass that she threw was so shocking to me because I just can't imagine. Like I, I'll be like cooking in my own apartment and I get food on the floor and I'm like, oh, let me clean that up. Like I, I, I have. It's like the thought that I would like spray wine all over the kitchen and not immediately be like, oh, oh my god, I'm fuck, guys, sorry. <laughs> You're like kind of like Melissa Gorga when she threw the cheese platter. She cleaned it up literally right after she threw it. <laughs> even even Paige DeSorbo had a broom in her hand. And you know that never did I think I would see the day. <laughs> literally never would I think that I would see that at all. And the other thing that was a little odd to me was I felt like everyone was like crowded around Sierra through all of it. Mm-hmm. And Danielle was kind of like on her own, except when Lindsay like went up, you know, obviously to check on her. I didn't love that it was, it, I mean, maybe it was, wasn't that way. It just appeared that way based on what they've show. But it yeah. almost felt like poor Danielle was by herself for dealing with a lot of that. That was surprising to me too, because I feel like Danielle is not somebody who has 
enemies in the house, really. She pretty much is on good terms with everyone. Even, I would say, she's not as polarizing as Lindsay is within the house, or as even Paige or Sierra can be sometimes. And so it it was a little disappointing that it's like, why don't we have Carl and Kyle and, you know, it, it, like you could have a few different people in the house that I would kind of expect them to sort of, I don't want to say be on Team Danielle because I think sort of no one was winning in that right. argument, but like... At least take swap back and forth and checking on people, you know? Yeah, I mean, Andrea is crying about Lexi, which that was a whole thing off on its own. It seems like they're together now, which I guess, congrats. <laughs> congrats, congrats. on that. <laughs> I, yeah, I saw somebody share a picture that Lexi posted that was like, amore, and I'm like, cool. <laughs> guess we won't save that for the reunion. <laughs> yeah, meanwhile, we're supposed to pretend to be invested in Carl and Mackenzie's little thing that's going on. Right? It does feel like with with... Lindsay and Carl and Paige and Craig being so public about their relationships post when this season was filmed. I do think this season with some of the other relationship threads, it's a little bit hard to get invested because like at the beginning of the season when Paige was flirting with Andrea, it's like, I mean, we know this isn't going anywhere. And Lindsay's bringing home random guys and Carl is talking about how he could see himself with Mackenzie. And it's like, okay, can we just like fast forward to... (laughs) You know, I have to say, though, with the whole page of it, I'm loving seeing Paige play. Well, I mean, more at the beginning of the season, but playing the field, essentially. I feel like we never see the girl having the options, you know what I mean? I feel like that's always, it's always the guys that are, you know, playing, essentially playing the field. And it's nice to see Paige where she's like weighing out her options on both. And she's like, oh, well maybe, you know, I want to pay more attention to Andrea or I want to pay attention to Craig, whatever. I love seeing that. And I want to see more of that on this show. I I also just want to see more, um, more tied re- or like more relationships where they're all there's a lot of entanglements. May- thinking yes. like very early pump rules. <laughs> yeah, and even a couple seasons ago, it felt like multiple people would be going after Carl, or right. there would kind of be this you know sharks in the water type of thing. And we are in we're entering an era for Summer House where there are a lot of couples. Obviously, Kyle and Amanda have been together forever, but looking at into going into this season, it's like, okay, if we have Danielle's happily coupled up, Paige and Craig seem to be going strong, uh, you know, Lindsay and Carl, Kyle and Amanda, it's like, we're gonna need some single people. Yes. Amen to that. I, I... It's, I, it's not that I, d- I would want any of them gone, but we need some people to bring in and like, let's see what happens. <laughs> this episode is brought to you by Paramount+. Plus. Get in, loser! Mean Girls is now streaming on Paramount+. Plus. Join Katie Heron as she meets the plastics and Tina Fey's new twist on the modern classic. Get ready for more of the rumors, backstabbing, and jokes you loved from the original movie with some fetch surprises. Rated PG-13. Wear pink and head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Now streaming only on Disney+. Plus. My name is Taylor. Welcome to the Eras Tour. 
experience Taylor Swift's record-breaking Eras Tour. Does anyone here know the lyrics? Swift Vieira's Tour, Taylor's version, with four additional acoustic songs. Now streaming only on Disney+. Plus. I do think there's been a little bit of conversation about whether there could be a potential spinoff opportunity for some of the couples, or I know that that came up with the Roni reboot news, kind of the idea that maybe somebody or some people from Summer House could leave Summer House but stay in the Bravo family. What do you think about that? Would you like to see like a a two like a new Summer House and an old Summer House? Do you see any of them working on Housewives or something different? Like what's your take on kind of the future path for Summer House? I would love both like a reboot essentially or just not even a full reboot like you could keep some of the single people and stuff but or a full reboot and i would love to follow like all of the ones that maybe have graduated from summer house my concern is i feel like we've seen how I feel like Summer House is not appreciated enough in ratings wise. Like it, mm-hmm. it seems like not a lot of people watch it comparatively to a lot of the other shows. I'd be worried that like getting making a whole new one, it wouldn't like take off. You know what I mean? Yeah, I do think with something like Real Housewives of New York, it very clearly is a flagship franchise for Bravo and it's a priority and they don't want to kind of just let it die. Whereas with summer house, I don't know if there's kind of that energy behind it on a, at a network level. And I think Mm -hmm. it's, it's almost where we were a couple seasons ago with Vanderpump rules when all of the OGs were buying houses and getting ready to have kids and settling down that there was a lot of talk about, what they were going to do. Was there going to be like a Valley Village type spinoff? Was Sir going to kind of get a new, you know, was it going to be really a rebooted or that kind of thing? And they sort of, I think partially because of the pandemic, partially because of people getting fired for reasons sort of out of their control, they ended up sort of doing nothing. And I right. think with Summer House, it's not in a, it's not in the same spot as Vanderpump because Vanderpump was bad by that point and I think Summer House is still really entertaining but I would like to see them be a little more proactive with nurturing the future versus just kind of being like two seasons from now well fuck it's bad how can we maybe turn it around <laughs> What are your thoughts on like more like having LGBT representation in it um like one of the things that I think about with that is as much as I want that, I also think about it in a sense like, well, will he be like the Greek chorus? Almost like Steven was his first season. For obvious reasons, when you said that, my mind immediately went to Steven, who I think was pretty horrible casting on Summer House. And I mm-hmm. think that was, um, I mean, I'll, I just think in general, he was not cut out for that. And it never really clicked, even though I think he was friends with people in the house. I do think it's tough because the same way I kind of feel about Vanderpump Rules, it's shitty that there's no queer representation, but at the same time, just casting like a gay person on a show full of about straight people hooking up is not yeah. really the the right path. And even, I mean, we've seen that in lots of different ways with 
reality TV, when they try and sort of quote unquote add diversity, it right. can be a really rocky path. Like you're casting somebody like Ebony that suddenly has to pretend to be friends with Ramona to disastrous results. And like, I, I really appreciate that in other ways, Summer House has gotten a lot more diverse. I mean, Sierra and, um, and Maya is great this season. I'm so glad that she's there. Alex, maybe. <laughs> uh, struggling to get even an ounce of camera time. But I think with the with the queer dynamics, it's harder just because they wouldn't, you know, there's no yeah. for them to like. That's what I was thinking. With. That's like, kind of like, my what? Like, <laughs> right. right. Like you're going to have a gay guy who's just like celibate the whole time because there's right. nobody there. It's it's a little tough. I will say that's one thing that's fun about Candy and the gang, which I'm a, a couple yep. episodes behind on. Um, but it's like there's just authentic queer representation from the start within the group and it doesn't right. feel like well bravo said we should try to find a gay person it's like <laughs> no these people work there these people have you know are within the group and that's been kind of cool cuz it's been a long time maybe never ish that we've seen in that kind of authentic way it's not just like we found one gay person it's like no right. there's just like there's just everybody Multiple. everybody's just here <laughs> yeah yes <laughs> Yes, no, I completely agree. That was always my thought. Um, you know, when people bring up, you know, having more LGBT on these shows, and I, I was thinking about that in the summer house context. I was like, sure, but would we just have another Steven where he's sitting back and watching yeah. everyone else do the hookup messy stuff kind of deal, you know? Yeah, sort but then in, in like a you know, same idea, but different. I thought Julia was so great on Real Housewives of Miami. And that's a little different vibe because it's not, you know, you're not trying to like hook up with people on Housewives, (laughs) but you know, that it was just kind of like a non-issue that she was married to a woman and, you know, they showed it on the show. They talked about it. It it was never a source of drama or anything. And I think that's, you know, kind of a great direction to move in for a franchise like Housewives, but it, on Summer House, it feels a little trickier for for, for one sure. reason or another. Do, do Are there a lot of gay people in the Hamptons? <laughs> I truly don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, so I live in New York, but I'm not like a, I'm not like a summer creature. Like I don't, I don't go to Fire <laughs> Island. I don't like, obviously they're all on, they're on Fire Island. Of course, right. you, you That's know, I, but like, I don't, the Hamptons, I do feel like it's one of those things where it's like, I don't know if this is for me, but right. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Same. There, I mean, there I, have to be some. I'm sure we could find some. <laughs> I don't know if they're like young though. Right. Because there's like, I'm sure there's like the gays that like Ina Garten is hanging out with in the Hamptons, <laughs> but I don't know if there's like people that would be at the summer house. You know, I also always kind of forget that Kyle's like close to 40. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, I mean, in that it, it's similar to Vanderpump Rules in more yeah. ways than one, and that's certainly one of them, that it's like, not only are people coupled up, but they're also just like getting maybe a little old for this, because mm-hmm. the, whole, the whole point of Summer House, it's fun to follow a friend group, but there is a specific premise here that they're getting a Summer House for the weekends, right. and doing this kind of weekly party culture thing, and... I don't know. I mean, I don't I don't begrudge Kyle having a good time. I don't think I don't want to be like ageist here, but it's it's not quite the same. And somebody I mean, Sierra is like 13 years younger than Kyle. So there really are two different 
generations in it's this like house. It's like Vicky and Gina when they were on Housewives together. <laughs> oh my God. Yeah. Or like, you know, a Ramona and Leah type of thing. Right. They're just truly not... Truly not cut from the same cloth. And while I think that can has potential to be exciting, it's also like, what are we doing here? And that's why I will say that's I think that's something that I'm excited for about the new Roni setup is that I think it will be fun to see some younger, more just kind of fresher types of personalities that won't automatically have to go up against the boomer crowd and of Ramona and Luann and Love Sonia, but she's in that group too, that it's like it felt like with people like Leah and Ebony, they never quite had a chance because right. it was like, well, you know, this show still belongs to a 64-year-old woman <laughs> who shits herself and can't apologize for anything. <laughs> so, you know, you can go play in her playground, but good luck actually getting more than a foot in the door. Do you... Like, to me, it makes sense for Roni. If they're getting that they're getting this Roni legacy and a, a fresh start, but I can't see any other franchises that have that like sort of relationship with the cast where it would make sense to do another legacy. Yeah, I really don't see that happening really anywhere else. I would say the one that would seem the closest to doing that would maybe be Atlanta to me, just because I think what it I, kind know. of has the the gravitas that could handle that type of thing. Like I think Atlanta, even though, you know, a lot of Bravo fans have a frustrating blind spot for Atlanta. It really has the cultural impact Mm -hmm. that most of the franchises don't. But, but then it's like, I don't think Nini would come back to do something like that unless she was being paid. Like, I don't know, $10 million. <laughs> I think I think Nini is in the Bethany bucket where it's like maybe there's a number, but I don't think I don't think it's gonna happen. Mm-hmm. Um I don't I mean we have Sheree who's just coming back now. I don't think she needs to be, you know, sent off to the legacy pasture. Right. I Kenya is not going anywhere. I think C- Candy, I still think is so great and entertaining and a really good piece of glue to hold everything together. So I I think maybe Atlanta is the other franchise that could potentially handle something like that, but I don't think they need it. And I think with I agree. New York, I think the the reason I'm excited for it is because they needed it. Right. Totally. So. It was like, honestly, it's like we're getting the best of both worlds because the show needed to move forward in a different way. Like it truly did. But there is an investment in some of these those women as well. And it wasn't going to go, you know, it seems like it wasn't going to work out for us as viewers if they continued on the path that they were going, right? Right. Also, I mean, for for their purposes, if this legacy show ends up being like eight episodes on Peacock, then they mm-hmm. don't have to pay Ramona a million dollars, which is... <laughs> Very <laughs> <Certainly> nice. <laughs> something they're something they're considering, I'm sure. Uh, and then I guess the other franchise that pops into my head is OC, just because it is the OG. But it's like I would rather just have Tamara come back to the main show. Agreed. Yeah, <laughs> and, and I don't need to see Vicky. So, <laughs> <laughs> and Potomac literally has four of their OGs still on. <laughs> right, but like Potomac, please. But Legacy is the name of the game in Potomac. Yes. Like they're not. They're literally all here. <laughs> Even oh my Katie God, was filming. <laughs> yes, I I am so relieved that they are finally 
officially definitely filming because there were kind of whisperings. They were maybe hanging out a little bit together, but nobody had really seen anything concrete. And it's like, what? What what's happening what's here? What's happening? <laughs> it seems it seems likely to me now that they're trying to time it so that Potomac and Atlanta don't overlap too much because that's sort of what we've had in the past, and they are usually both on Sundays. Mm. So I guess in that sense, it makes sense that they're they were kind of holding on Potomac a little bit, so it's mm-hmm. not because we don't want it to be like sitting in the can for six months if possible. And I feel like that's what Potomac's been for every other season was like mm-hmm. they would finish filming and it would sit for like almost a year before it would come out or, you know, like six months, eight months or whatever. So I'm hoping yeah. that this means we're going to get a quick turnaround with Potomac because it is a, I mean, nothing beats Potomac anymore. To yeah. Me. And they, I mean, they are the franchise I think that I stress the least about in terms of how the upcoming season is going to be because I'm like it's going to be fine it's going to be even if it's not the most explosive thing we've ever seen it's going to be entertaining it's Mm -hmm. they're going to be hilarious I think in terms of understanding the assignment and like showing up to work as a reality tv personality I think that cast gets it more than anyone else Mm -hmm. so it's with people like with people like Karen and Giselle and Ashley and Candace, they are reality TV professionals, and I have no concerns over them delivering. You know, even if Amen. even if the storylines themselves aren't that exciting, I'm like, I'm gonna be entertained. We're definitely gonna, like I could just watch Karen Huger in the confessional chair just for hours. I wish we could just watch her for hours. <laughs> <laughs> she should. If anybody, you know, I I don't really watch. Uh, RuPaul's Drag Race anymore, but they, so many of those queens have like YouTube series and stuff. And I'm like, if anybody was going to have a web series of just like talking, give it to Karen Huger. A- just show Amen. her, show her like outfit pictures of various people and just have her talk. That's all have I want. I'll get dressed <laughs> and try on outfits for her. <laughs> I actually, yeah, it's just... um, the, on Twitter, someone brought up do you remember that old spinoff that was supposed to happen um, with Kim Zolciak and Nene Leakes? It was like Road to Riches. <sighs> this was back in like 2015. It feels like from like a different lifetime. <laughs> I know. It was like so, so long ago. Well, they were going to travel from Atlanta to LA, I think. Mm-hmm. I think we should give it to Giselle and Karen. Have them do it. <laughs> Could you imagine... <laughs> Oh my god! Like that, I would because, die yeah. for that. That would be incredible. Like what, imagining Giselle and Karen, like figuring out how to use a gas pump together. Oh, I or can't like wait. checking into their motel, or stopping <laughs> at a drive-through to get McDonald's <laughs> on the road. Literally, I would watch them do absolutely anything together. <laughs> Same. I think it would be so good. And I I mean, I'm just saying, Bravo, if you're listening, you should do it. <laughs> if you're listening, please, for the please. love of God. We need oh that. Oh, my gosh. Well, I want to know hopefully... what Giselle would pack to wear. <laughs> and oh, no. I would like Karen to critique it every day. <laughs> I'm, I'm picturing like an ill-fitting Gucci tracksuit. <laughs> but like maybe it's fake, but we don't quite know. <laughs> Probably fake. <laughs> oh my god! It's like, wait, actually, Gucci has never made that. So, 
It really does make me laugh that so many Bravo celebrities will like wear designer label things that are so clearly fake. Yeah. (laughs) And then post about it. Well, especially I understood it more maybe 10 years ago or something where it's like, I picked this up at a local boutique and it has the CCs on it and that's cute. But it's like now there are whole ass Instagram accounts dedicated to researching whether the (laughs) Chanel logo placement on the sweater matches up with the one from the runway. And it's like, it's embarrassing because you can wear... You can wear a perfectly nice sweater without a logo on it. And I'm like, oh, she looks good. But if it's a Chanel sweater that you find out is fake, I'm like, wait, what? You're telling us how rich you are. (laughs) Exactly. Um, But And I love that you said Chanel because that is literally the first thing that I think of when I think of the the fake. um, Yeah. What was it? It was the the white top with I think did Teresa wear it or Elizabeth? Yeah, Vargas? the like the like Chanel yeah. and it had the, like the pockets. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it, and like the the logo proportions will be wrong or yep. it's like in a different font. You know, it's yep. it's usually pretty easy to tell because let's face it, somebody like Elizabeth Vargas <laughs> is not getting the highest quality fakes in the world. Yes, but she was at she was at Vicky's birthday. So the richest bitch in Newport needed that fake Chanel. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my god, we we should probably wrap this up before we say things that could get us in trouble. (laughs) But Steve, thank you so much for joining. This was such a great conversation, and you'll have to come back soon. Absolutely, thanks for having me. Of course. Now uh, remind everyone where they can find you and listen to you and everything. You can find me at Feces by Bravo on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok. And, but now we said it on all your favorite podcast platforms. I'm on a little break right now, but season three will be gearing up. Make sure to catch up on one and two. Amazing. Thank you so much. And thank you everyone for listening. Don't forget to rate, review, and follow the show wherever you listen. You can follow us on Instagram at Bravo by Betches. And until next time, be cool. Don't be all like uncool. Mention It All is produced by Sean Kilby and Jorge Morales-Pico. Editing by Sean Kilby. Social media by Dylan Hafer. Guest booking by Nicole Pellegrino. Be sure to follow at Bravo by Betches on Instagram and Twitter. Betches.